welcome to the Grow My Salon Business podcast, where we focus on the business side of hairdressing. I'm your host, Anthony Whitaker, and I'll be talking to thought leaders in the hairdressing industry, discussing insightful, provocative, and inspiring ideas that matter. So get ready to learn, get ready to be challenged, get ready to be inspired, and most importantly, get ready to grow your salon business. I love the expression, success leaves clues. What that means is that you don't have to reinvent the wheel, just find someone else who's already succeeded at what you want to do and essentially copy what they did. Learn to think how they think, copy how hard they work, the hours they put in uh, when no one is watching. Understand the sacrifices that they've made along the way, the rejections and disappointments that they've had, and there's a good chance that you'll succeed too. Success in any form doesn't come easy, but oftentimes we see someone who has succeeded and we want to be them. We want their knowledge. We want the respect that they have and the lifestyle that goes with it. But what we don't see is the years of hard work, the learning and the sacrifices that have gone into making them who they are. My guest today on today's podcast is Leslie Jennison. I've known Leslie since she was 16. I promise you she isn't 16 anymore. (laughs) (laughs) I can't say it like that. And and, and fast forward. <laughs> okay, and fast forward to today, she's now become one of the most respected hair colorists and educators in the hairdressing world today. In today's podcast, we'll focus on pricing and training and you know what it takes to get to the top and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Leslie Jennison. Hello, Anthony. It's wonderful to see your face. It's been way too long. Missed that yes. face. <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's lovely to have you on the, on the show, Leslie. Uh, I've been looking forward to this moment. So, um, look, um, we go back a long way, but there's uh, a, a lot of people listening to this who perhaps uh, don't know who you are. So let's just start with an overview of your background. Who is Leslie Jennison? Give us your two-minute backstory, so to speak. Okay, so to sum it up in two minutes, I have been a hairdresser for 32, coming up to 33 years. I spent my first 18 years at uh, Sassoon's. I then wanted to get into the kind of um, doing work on shoots and and magazines and films. So I started working very hard towards that. And for the last 12 years, I have been the Global Colour Ambassador with Schwarzkopf Professional. Okay, great. And do you still work in a salon as well? I do. I'm very lucky. I have this um, amazing salon in uh, London, in Tilton Street, Billy Curry's, and I work there probably probably four days a month. Uh, and these are guys, Billy, you know them, Billy Curry and Debbie G, absolute powerhouse couple. I've known them all my hairdressing career, like you. Good. Okay. All right. Well, listen, in the in the intro, I talked about how success leaves clues and that to succeed you don't need to reinvent the world but just copy or emulate someone else who succeeded tell me about some of the character traits that you were inspired to you know that have made you become the person that you are talk about some of some of your mentors and uh, and what they've contributed to to your journey um i think i was incredibly lucky the the educators i had uh, but Elsa soon were just uh, all inspiring. I mean, I would definitely say that Annie Humphreys is right there at the top. You know, this this woman who literally invented foil highlights. She's, you know, she's influenced a whole 
a sort of army of hair colorists globally. She's an incredible woman, tiny lady, tiny, tiny short lady who is, you know, she walks into a room and you know that she is there. Mm. And, you know, even today, you know, her, the, the passion literally kind of pours out of her. It's just, it's, she's a, a beautiful woman to watch and listen to. And I was very, very lucky that I was among the last few to have quite a bit of training with her. As you say, she's influenced a entire uh, generation of, of of hair colorists the world over, yeah. and uh, um, you know, I, I you know had also had the pleasure of working with her, and and she had an amazing uh, work ethic. She was the first one in the room, and she was the last one to leave. Yeah. And, uh, uh, do you know I, what? I also, think- yeah. Sorry. Do you know what I I always found amazing about her is that if you know when you were going to do your very first show. And I witnessed this after my first, you know, being on stage. I witnessed it for years after is that the models would be lined up. And it's kind of like a mini casting. You're going to pick your model you're going to do on stage. She would always, always let the the person that was least experienced pick the best model. And she would wait. And then she'd go down the line and she would pick the last model. And for me, that's an incredible, incredible um, ethic to have. Yeah, definitely, without a doubt. Did you always want to specialise in colour or did you want to be a hairdresser and then found your way into the, the colour side of things? Um, when, I, when I joined, I, I, it was more about getting, the, getting a qualification in hairdressing because I didn't actually want to be a hairdresser. I wanted to do sort of theatrical and TV makeup. So it was almost like a, a means to an end. You know, with the BBC, which I was going to do my, my makeup training with, you had to be 21 and a half and you had to have a hairdressing qualification, right. which is why, you know, so, so really it wasn't about being a colorist or a cutter, but literally within a couple of months of starting my apprenticeship, which is really early because you haven't really done much training at all at that point, You're just yeah. learning to shampoo and to gown clients. It was that, you know, that intense in the, uh, in the training. Yeah. Uh, but I was working with uh, a tour de force of a character who I just watched him work and I watched how he kind of commanded the whole room. He, you know, clients will come in and just flock to him. There's a guy called Krishnan Garda who's sadly not with us anymore, but he, he was just this, oh, full of character and full of creativity and I just thought, oh, my God, this is just amazing. And he was so busy all the time. And I, I, loved, I loved being his assistant. For some reason, um, the, the, the manager at that salon in Sloan Square, that was, asked me to be – well, not asked me. You, were, you weren't asked to be an assistant for anyone. Uh, you uh, put me – within three months, put me to be his assistant. Again, that's very early to be an assistant in colouring, but uh, I loved it. And, and that time, those few months that I had with him – changed the way I thought about the rest of my career. I knew at that point I did not want to go into makeup. I I just loved every kind of aspect of, of going into the salon and traveling, you know, from northwest London and traveling right into the middle of London. And I, I just loved every moment. I thought this is what I want to do. I knew, you know, you had to be a, a, a cutter or a colorist. And I just knew I, I, I just felt there was so much I enjoyed the fact that I knew that there was so much to learn about colouring. And okay. I I felt like I, I wanted to do that. Yeah. It, it's interesting when you talk about, you know, uh, a, a person that inspired you, in this case, Christian. Um, and, and 
you know, what makes someone good at anything isn't just the technical and creative skills. It's what I, I will refer to as the X factor. It's, it's, you know, being a busy, successful hairdresser isn't just about mastering the technical and creative side of what you do. Oh, absolutely. It's the other thing that you bring to it. And he was a great example of, 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 of what else he brought to it in terms of what made him a busy, in-demand colorist. So what, what I want to ask you is, what, what is it? that makes a good colorist? I Well, I truly think, you know, like you're saying, the X Factor is really about how you interact with clients. I mean, that's such a big part. But for me to be a good colorist, you need to know your hair science inside out, back to front. And I think, you know, once you know that, you can then work with almost any product line because it's the theory of how color works. It's a theory of what's happening to the hair what's happening to the scalp, how colours interact with each other. If you know that inside out, you're set up for life. Yeah. What, what is it about the training that you've had? Um, I mean, you know, we both went through a Sassoon sort of training regime and I have, uh, you know, often I had people on this podcast who do have a Sassoon background and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that have a Sassoon background that have gone on to be successful all over the world. So the question I'm asking you is, is, is what is it about the training that you had, which has really set you up for success? I would say the uh, discipline of the training. It was a, a long training. It was three and a half years. Uh, to be a cutter was three years. I, I think that's another reason I quite like the idea of being a colorist, to, to be honest, because not many people went into being a colorist. Most people wanted to be stylists. I quite like the idea of being slightly, slightly different. But well, it's, it's a long isn't it? I mean, you know, being the colorist used to be. Well, being the being the stylist used to be the rock star of hairdressing, and yes, these days yes. it's actually being the colorist is the rock star more than the, the stylist. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't I didn't <laughs> um, mean to interrupt you there. You were in mid flow. No, on. no, no, no. Don't worry, don't worry. Um, I think the discipline, obviously, um, the way that the, the training was is that you you did your theory. You didn't get your hands in any any, um, any combs or color for God months. It was really they they kind of drummed and drilled the hair science into you first which you know initially was a bit I found that a little bit not tedious because you're learning something but really of course you just want to get your hands in gloves on and you know be coloring uh you know also you, you weren't allowed to use real hair real people it was blocks for a long time but I think the discipline you know we we had to be able to color like a zigzag like half white and half black and that seamless, you know, no demarcation from the black going into the white. You know, I think learning stuff like that means that when it's as strict as that, once you've got that kind of discipline, it means that you can loosen that up and you can do any techniques after that because you you know how to to do something so so cleanly and perfectly, mm -hmm. uh, rather than only knowing sort of very sort of freehand kind of colours. Once you know the technique, it's easy to, to soften it up. That makes sense. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally it does. I mean, I, I think that, you know, whether we're talking about hairdressing or whether you're talking about, I don't know, taking photographs or, you know, uh, playing the cello or whatever, um, the 
understanding the technique is one thing. And a lot of people understand a technique and something and then want to move on and they want to, you know, they want to move on too quickly. They, they don't want to, yeah. to, to succeed at anything. There's so much to be said for mastering the fundamentals. And, and you used the word before, you said the discipline when I said about your training. Um, to, talk to us about that. What do you mean by the discipline? You know, and, and when I say mastering the, the fundamentals and, yeah. you know, and not moving I, on, repeating and doing I it again think, yes, and again absolutely. and again. Yeah, I think what it, ha- I think, you know, when you think about how people, a lot of colorists or a lot of people that are just coming through and, I think social media is such an amazing platform to show about our work. It's like the new calling card. But I think a lot of people don't realize, I think you mentioned at the beginning, how many, many years you've spent honing your craft um, and working, you know, practicing over and over and over again. And I think some people might want to just be able to do a technique that is of the moment without knowing the fundamentals. So it's about knowing the craft of of hairdressing. So it's about knowing the the basics. It's about knowing the basics and honing that to absolute perfection before you then move on. I mean, I think that's probably a reason why the, the training was so long and, you know, that there were sort of, you'd have to do model nights. So you do your normal day being an assistant, which is always good. I think a, a, being an assistant is such an amazing way to learn a craft because if you're watching somebody that you admire um, you know, you 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 watch them. We, we the, how we did it. We'd spend three months with one colorist, then three months with another colorist. And even though everybody would have had the same training, the way that after you've honed your skill and the way that you adjust that for that client in front of you, it's invaluable to the person that's watching because that's the only way to kind of understand that a tint is done this way. Now look at how I'm doing a tint on this lady because her hairline at the front is finer and lighter. So I need to adjust this to do this. You know, Mm. there is so much that you can learn from being taught, but to be able to watch somebody um, is is so important. Did I answer the question? I think I might have gone off on the tangent there. No, that's okay. That's okay. You're you're doing fine. Um, As you're talking, I'm sort of thinking about, you know, asking you something about, Young people today, and I hate saying that. I hate saying it like that. Yes, yeah, so you know, right. So um, why? You know, because because I love young people today. I mean, I've got some of them that are, that are my own. Everyone should have one. <laughs> <laughs> I've got four, <laughs> and and I mean, and they're they're wonderful uh, people. But uh, but I look at the world that they're born into, and it's this world of instant gratification. Yes. And I'm as you're talking and you're talking about discipline and you're talking about the training that you had and, you know, how many years it was and all this sort of stuff, you know, young people today are not born into that world. They're born into this world of instant gratification. And, you know, you ask them a question and if they don't know the answer to it, they'll go straight on YouTube or straight on Google and they'll tell you the answer. And so on one hand, it has sped up dramatically the opportunity to learn and to grow. But what it can't speed up is experience. Like yeah. technology can't speed up experience. You, you, there's a certain Absolutely. amount that has to be said for the time. And so I suppose what I'm going to ask you about is, is that a frustration that you have today? Do you, do you, do you look at young colorists today um, and, and get frustrated with the fact that they, they want to achieve something that they haven't 
oh, you know, earn the right to is the wrong yeah. expression, but they haven't put I know in what you mean. the hard yards to, yeah. to have mastered it. They think they've mastered it. That's the frustration. They think they've mastered it, but they haven't really mastered it to the degree that they need to to become a real master at anything. You know, you see it in, you know, like I said, whether you're talking about playing the cello or you're talking about cooking or taking photographs or, or you know, anything. It's or So much of it is about mastering the fundamentals, isn't it? Yeah. I, I have to say that I don't really get frustrated with hairdressers because I think even though, I, and I understand what you're saying, and that is the case, it, it, it definitely, definitely happens, but there is still a passion there. And I think, I think I'm in a very lucky position that when I do my seminars and the, you know, the shows and uh, the teachings and, the, you know, the one-to-ones, I'm very lucky that wherever I'm going, people are paying to come see me. So they're obviously already passionate anyway. Yeah. But even when, even when I'm dealing with people who are just qualified, even when they want to run before they can walk, it doesn't frustrate me because I, I can see the kind of burning passion and the, the drive to want to do it. And it's yeah. really just trying to adjust their, their sight on, on how they can do it and how they can get there and, you know, you come across lots of people that do say, well, how did you get, how do you do shows? You know, I want to do that. And it's really, I quite love sitting there and, and explaining to them that how long it's taken to do that and how much experience and how, you know, some things went wrong at the very beginning and how even now, you know, over 30 years, I still learn from every single thing that I do. And I, you know, I say to, I say to hairdressers, if, like I did, I mean, I would I would work for free for a very long time, a long time after I was qualified. I would bug people and I would, you know, I, I went on, um, actually, when I was an assistant, I went on a tour, it was actually a weller tour with Sassoons. And nobody, as an assistant, nobody had ever done that. But because I'd written to head office and I said, you know, I'll pay for my own flights, I'll pay for my hotels, and, you know, if you can show that kind of eagerness and that passion and that wanting to do something and wanting to learn through any means, um, mm. I mean, in fact, they didn't, they did make me pay. I mean, I'm, I do want to put that across. They did pay for the flights and everything. <laughs> but, you know, but I'm saying I did for a long time. I'd, I'd, um, but showing a degree of I'd, commitment, isn't it? A degree yeah, show of commitment. Passion or, I'd, you know, or I'd, I'd go and just help out on shoots. You know, even if it was a stylist, sometimes it was just stylist. It wasn't even about color. I would go and help out and shoot just because of one, I wanted to get the the experience, and two, just to watch. You know, some people that I really, really admire. Mm. Mm. Yeah. So you know, I've actually I've had a, you know over the last few years I have had hairdressers from the US uh, and Germany, you know, travel to India and South America, you know, all over the place, come and just assist me. But, you know, when I, I say to, like, people that are just starting off, if you can learn not just your, your hair science but the product inside out and then bug people, not bug people, but, you know, email people or DM people and, and say, you know, I'm here, very happy to shadow you, I recommend it. I've, you know, I know that the few people that I've had come out have, have loved it, absolutely loved it. Yeah, they, I mean, p- people can only say no. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Like a, a lot of people, they're not like, if you, if you don't ask, the answer is always going to be no. Yeah. But if you ask, yeah. Yeah. you would be surprised how many people will say yes. 
you know. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you, you, you can only ask, and sometimes, like you say, you do have to be prepared to um, pay or work for nothing or whatever it is to, to yeah. get that degree of, uh, of experience. Experience, yeah. yeah. What, what, what do you think education looks like going forward? I mean, um, I mentioned before, you know, uh, YouTube, the power of YouTube in, in terms of learning stuff and the amount of free education that's on there and the amount of Google yeah. that there is, et cetera. Um, what, what do you think the future of education looks like from yeah. a, a colorist point of view? I, do, do you know, I think that one of the wonderful things about this lockdown is, is the, the way that the hairdressing community has come together this kind of camaraderie of us all sharing, uh, you know, Instagram lives or webinar lives um, and free. I think that the fact that so many hairdressers that probably wouldn't have gone into education have seen how easy it is to upscale their skill set. It's very, very easy. You know, I have, I've really enjoyed them. How I feel about them going forward I feel that there is definitely a longevity because people are now used to that platform. And I think even though it's been wonderful that we've, we've all done this um, free, I do think it, it's a better platform if it's some kind of webinar uh, where people kind of register onto it. And even if it's a nominal fee, even if it's just a few pounds, I just think, you know, we should value these people that are doing these lives because, they just, again, they've spent years Again, I keep going on about it, honing their craft. But you know, there's a long there, there is value to the education that a lot of hairdressers can can give people. Saying that, I have to say, hands down, there is no comparison to being in a room with with hairdressers because there's there's no you know if you're doing um, if you're doing one say in wherever it is if it's India or wherever. You know, you have the hairdresser in front of you can say, I love this technique, this technique on my clients. I have clients that have this kind of hair. How can I tweak this to this? I have hair texture, 10 clients a day that are like this. How can I adjust this? How can I work this? What products go with this? So for me, live person to person or group, there's no comparison. Yeah, I wish I wish our audience could see you. I mean, I'm I'm you know we're obviously look seeing each other over Zoom, yes. um, and you're so animated. I, I, I'm wanting to say to you, Leslie, sit on your hands. Yeah. <laughs> I do sit on your hands, time. really. <laughs> no, I I I love seeing that uh, that passion and enthusiasm for you that you're just waving your arms around in the air <laughs> from the minute we started this podcast. You 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 oh, haven't I stopped. So oh, I'm I hope not, it doesn't. No, I'm, I'm <laughs> sure it doesn't, and I'm I'm enjoying your passion, your enthusiasm, you know, your commitment for for, for what you do. Um, you know, when we're talking about education, can I ask you what are you? Uh, and you said this before. You said I'm always learning. Every show, I learn something. I think were the words you said. Uh, what What are you learning at the moment? What What do you wish you were better at? Uh, I think I think it would be doing these lives because, you know, I've. I've never done lives by myself. I've done lives, you know, from head office and you have marketing set the whole thing up and it's all perfectly, you know, with lighting and, you know, they, they have five people, you know, in front of you with writing the questions really large so I can see them without my glasses on because <laughs> uh, I can colour hair without glasses on so I look better to camera. You know, yeah. then I have one girl that would be going 10 minutes, you know, like with, with her hands up and five minutes. Um, 
And that, of course, makes it much, much easier because doing a live when you're trying to, to get a point across, you're trying to demo, you're trying to engage with the audience and also recognize, you know, the people that have followed you for one, they come up and they say hello. You sometimes, you know, you want to recognize people and you yeah. want to answer their questions. It's really juggling. And it's, it's a total new skill set for me. So even at my age, you know, I'm learning something, something new. But I think, you know, as a colorist, you, you absolutely never stop learning because technology is changing so rapidly that, you know, I thank God that, you know, being part of um, the ambassador for, for Schwarzkopf, that I do get to, you know, the nucleus of an idea, I get to hear about it and I get to play with, with products. And I think whenever a new product comes out and it co goes to salons, I think it's so imperative that hairdressers get little snippets of hair, whether they, whether they buy them or they just, you know, hair that's on the floor and they just put a little masking tape around them mm. and test these new colors because, you know, sometimes we get so, we get so stuck in a rut of using five particular colors. You know, if, if wherever I go in the world, I always ask the country managers to break down the most popular colors because it's, mm. it's again, it's important for me to recognize where the audience is, what, you know, what they like to see, you know, I don't want to work with, cold colors when a country really is very it's very popular with warm colors etc sure um, yeah now i've gone off on a tangent okay. no 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 so, so, so you were talking about what you uh were uh, are learning and you sort of alluded uh -huh. to the fact that you'd like to get better at these and i i think it's interesting that you know um if we went back to say november last year before covid and um, we would have all said, yes, I think in the future, people are going to be doing a lot more online learning, blah, blah, blah. And because you didn't have to be a scientist to figure out that that's the way education was evolving. But what's happened, and this actually happens during war, uh, during, during the war, there are massive advances that are made in uh, technology uh, in, and in medicine. And the reason massive advances are made in, in technology and medicine in war is because you have to. And, and necessity, and this, yeah. yeah. And this this isn't the war, but we have had to all of a sudden go, I'm going to do a Facebook Live. I'm going to do an Instagram Live. I'm going to, you know, do a podcast. I'm going to, uh, you know, get my, my, my phone out and stick it on a tripod or balance it on some books or whatever it is that you're doing. Yes. And I'm going to make this, this thing work. And so I, I think that, you know, one of the things that is going to come out of this when we do start to reopen and, you know, a lot of the world is starting to reopen already is that we will realize that we have actually um, gone forward in terms of, um, you know, learning or something. In fact, we, we, we've condensed yeah. five years worth of progress yeah, into, five, into five months because we've yeah, had to. Absolutely. And I think that's a, that's a really good thing. Um, I, you, I must tell you that the very first, the first, the very first, it's not that long ago, the first um, live that I did was for Schwarzkopf USA. Okay. I honestly, I was petrified that the five minutes before I went on was absolutely uh, – uh, it was ridiculous. It was like, I mean, I'm always like that before I do a show, before I do anything. I'm always a little bit like, oh, but this was just crazy. And they had advertised it on their channel as a fireside chat with Leslie Jennison. And then afterwards, they sort of emailed me saying, I hope you didn't mind that, but because you live in England, England, that we just presumed that you would have a fireplace. I'm like, oh, my God, <laughs> you know, like, I do have fireplaces. But do you know what? It was a, a hot day, but because they kind of advertised it as a, 
a fireside chat. And of course, it was like 8 p.m. our time. So, and it was already dark because this was the beginning of um, lockdown. So mm. I had. I had the fire on, right? So already I was hot. <laughs> already I'm kind of, you know, like, Whoa! and I had the fire on. I, like, you know, I had to have the chair right by the fire. So you saw this kind of gorgeous sort of English fireplace. Honestly, I came out there, I had to just jump straight into a shower. It's ridiculous. Uh, oh, that's lovely. <laughs> but do you know what? I loved it. After those first couple of minutes, and you know me, I'm somebody, I always prep everything yeah. to within an inch of its life. So I'd kind of very kindly, one of my one of my friends, Andy Smith, had done like a little test with me. We did it through uh, my partner's Instagram so that there's no hairdressers following my partner. So we could do a very, very quick test to make sure that things things work properly. And I, I found out that on Instagram, it doesn't work, it's it's different on webinars, but on Instagram, if I if I have like my iPad and I show it to the camera with the formula, it's back to front. So right. I had to do, you know, I had to get an app and wrote, you know, uh, mirror my um, formula okay. so that the, the audience could see. I didn't know that. Yes. That makes yeah. perfect <laughs> sense. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So you, you've just touched on the social media thing. Um, you're, you, you've actually embraced social media uh, really well. Um, and, you know, you have, you know, significant following and I'm always impressed how, how, you know, how much you're on it and what you do on it, which is good. Just talk to us about how social media has impacted on you um, as, as a colorist, you know, as a, as a business person. What sort of, you know, changes has it made to, to, to your career? Um, it's, I think social media is hugely important and I think it will become more so especially now. And I think, you know, like I said earlier, I think, I didn't say this, but, you know, everybody is their own business, whether they work for a salon or not, or whether you work for a company or not, you're still your own business. So for me, I think it's really, really important for for social media to be, which is what I said earlier, your calling card. Because, yeah. you know, you can, if, if what you love to do is balayage and you're fantastic at balayage, then your social media should be full of balayage because then it's it's your it's your calling card for you know those your end consumers and your clients to know this is what you're all about. Um, I I think I think I'm I'm quite strict with social media. I think you know when I do shows, sometimes you do shows and you're prepping and there's like ten or twelve clients or models that you're doing a day, and they're all color changes. And I always go, every single show, I, I say to my assistant, well, whatever we do, we take the ring lights, we take everything with us, and we make sure that we get lots of videos and lots of, you know, material that we can use on, on social media. And so often, those prep days are so full on and so kind of, you know, you know, you remember what they're like, they're like 16-hour days. Mm. And... Um, and I kind of come away and I think, oh, I didn't get that. And I didn't get that. I, I'm trying. That's going to be one of my new things I'm going to do after this. I'm going to be much stricter with myself that I do get more information, more kind of uh, stuff that I can post. But I, I'm very strict that if I don't think something is right for that people would want to watch or want to see, then I don't post stuff. I, I you know, and I say, I've just said about people that, you know, if you, if uh, balayage is what you love to do in the salon, then post that. But mine yeah. is not like that. Mine is quite mixed and it's quite, all, it's you know, there's a lot of salon work, but there's a lot of creative as well. Because I think in my position, I, I want to be able to be user-friendly in a way. So I want people to be able to see that 
the kind of more creative stuff I do and I post, I can very easily turn that to something that's much softer and more salon friendly or more client friendly. So my, I think my, my, my kind of posts are a little bit more diverse in a way, but I don't necessarily think that's what everybody should do. Right. How long, um, I know in lockdown, it's a different scenario, but how long would you typically, how much time would you typically spend on social every day? I would say I've tried to keep it down because lockdown has been quite wonderful that I've had for the first time in 20 odd years, well, even longer, that I've actually Mm. sat still, you know, uh, and I am, the way that I'm thinking of it is that this is a, a you know, once in a lifetime just to be able to be still, be with my partner, be with our dogs. And thank goodness my mother just moved from Norfolk down to here just before lockdown. Thank goodness. So, you know, to be able to see my family and spend time, I have tried to calm myself down on on social media because I could very easily spend a couple of hours a day. Very, very easy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's very be predictive like that, can't it? It is. Okay. It can be too addictive. Yeah. So, Leslie, explain to us, how does the pricing per hour work in a, a salon situation from a colorist point of view? Because I know there's people that are listening to this that they do what, what most salons do and what you now do, which is we price per services and we do a great consultation and, and, and maybe on the menu it says from, and then during the consultation we tell the people exactly what it will be. Now, that's what most people do, but a lot of people are intrigued by having a, a price per hour for their color services. And in fact, some of them even do it with color correction but they don't do it with all yes. the other services. Yes. So yeah. just talk us through how that worked when you had this pricing per hour model in your previous salon. Well, it's a really cool system because if you think about, if you've got five, six, seven, eight, however many colorists you have, and you have different skill sets or different um, number of years of experience, so whether you have a, a junior colorist or a head of the color department, each um, each ranking will charge a certain amount per hour, per half hour. It's per half hour. So whether it's a hundred pound for a, a junior colorist per half hour, or three hundred pound for a, a head of color per half hour, it makes it very clear to the client in front of you that. A tint application or a tint appointment, that's a regrowth appointment, is booked as a half-hour appointment. So, again, I'll just repeat. So, that would be £100 for somebody who hasn't had much experience or they've just qualified and would go up in scales depending on the experience uh, that you've had. So, regardless of what the service was, if a half-hour is booked out for them, that is the price, £100. You know, dollars or hundred pounds, whatever. Regardless of what the service was, whether it was putting on a semi-permanent color or putting yes, on a highlights around the face or whatever. Okay, it's basically you. a half hour of my time. Yeah. So then, what we would do is we book half hour, so it would be half an hour, sixty minutes or ninety minutes. Yep. Now, uh, most people would be aware of their clients' needs and wants, uh, and would be able to book ahead of time. If not, you would have a consultation. So you would be able to have that pre-booked, that time pre-booked beforehand. It's a very clever 
kind of easy, easy way to do a pricing system because nobody, well, not many people would just have a tint application. There may be one foil underneath the parting. Uh, this is something I would like to talk about because I think this is a, a, a important for colors to, to think about for, for when we open up again. But, you know, you don't just do highlights. It might be foil work with some balayage. It may be uh, a little bit of face framing with, with a little root touch-up or something. So it's very difficult to say, right, I want to book in for balayage. I want to book in for foils. So to book for time, I think, makes it very easy to understand for a client as well as the booking system. Right. Okay. And there was, and that included all product, didn't it? So if you needed to put a treatment on, you put a treatment on. If you oh, needed absolutely. To Olaplex, you'd use Olaplex, and there was no upsell to any of that. Is that no, correct? No, absolutely not. Because yeah. really, if my client needs Fiverplex, then I'm not going to give her the option to say, I don't want to spend an extra, I don't know, £20 or whatever it is to yeah. have it. I want her to have it. Her hair needs to be the best that I can possibly do it. And if it needs fiberplex, then she's going to have a fiberplex or, or whatever treatment it is. Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Um, one of the, the things that are, um, you know, really happening to the industry at the moment is the, the growth of the home color market. Um, two out of three people who get their hair colored uh, do not get it done in the salon. They, they do it at home or they get their sister to do it or whatever. What are some of the things that, salons or hairdressers need to do to compete to 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 protect you know yeah. their business from this ever growing home color Absolutely. and color market what, what i am i am so passionate about getting the control back to the hair colorist in the salon very very passionate a lot of the the techniques that i do that you know we bring out a, a, a kind of lookbook of colors twice a year and a lot of the techniques are about particularly this about getting clients back into the salon about techniques and looks that they cannot recreate themselves at home super super easy for us like i was saying if you're doing an all-over tint why would a client come to me and spend whatever it is i charge for a regrowth application when she could, one, go around the corner to somewhere, I don't know whether it's somewhere cheaper, or she could go and buy a box colour, God forbid, uh, and she does it herself at home. Because a tint application is pretty you know, pretty straightforward. However, what I do and what, what we do in the salon is it may be just one foil, just one foil. That's like one minute's extra work. And I will mm. put it just under the parting so that when – when she moves her hair around, she just gets a, a shimmer of something else. It could be one fault. It could be, you know, a little bit of um, paint in the hairline, slightly lighter color, etc. We have to, we really have to kind of upscale what we're doing to keep to keep clients coming back into the salon. It's like, you know, th this. Um, what is wonderful for us is that balayage, which will be around forever, because it's a chic and elegant way to color hair and everybody, you know, it's a, a, a beautiful mm. look. There is, you know, there's another massive kind of global trend that's just started like last sort of year and a half or so. It's just bubbling up, but you're starting to see it a lot on, um, you know, red carpet, etc. Red carpet. Yeah, you're, you're seeing it on sort of media people, but you're starting to see it on social media. And this is about more 
block coloring, you know, like a, a solid band of color at the front, two-tone coloring, which is wonderful for the salons because mm. this is something that clients will need to come, come back in every six, eight weeks. They're not massively huge techniques to do. They're quite mm. easy, quick, and kind of simple to do, but it's not something that a client would be able to replicate themselves at home. Okay, so I, what I want to ask you is about reinvention. You know, you've, uh, um, you know, you said you've been in the industry thirty-four years, I think you said, and you know, you're still very much at the top of your game. How do you, how do you reinvent yourself? How do you stay relevant as an as an educator and uh, as a as a colorist, uh, as a creative colorist? I think you know that the fact that I do so much traveling. And I am surrounded constantly by young, not necessarily always young, but, you know, there's always young hairdressers. There's always passionate people. I find traveling very, very inspiring. I find that, you know, whenever I go away and I've got half a day before my flight or I'm not flying till the following morning, I will always go to either an art exhibition or I'll go to, if if time-wise I can't do an exhibition, in any of those countries, I will go to an art or craft shop. And finding like new tools, for example, will give me an idea. Or if I go to an exhibition and it's one thing I've seen will give me an idea. I'm very aware that I'm constantly having to keep my eyes and my brain and my mind wide open. Hmm. But also the fact, the fact that, you know, the techniques and the sort of color placements and the color combinations and stuff that I do for essential looks because it's the global kind of launch pad of any of the new color lines because I have to incorporate them that is already inspiring me so um you know I'm always I'm always reading stuff I'm always looking you know WGSN there's a the the hair historian I thought there's a couple of things that I follow WGSN I think is really really interesting and the hair historian it's a girl called Rachel and they're all images from the middle ages and up and, and whether it's paintings or sculptures uh really really interesting um really interesting Instagram so, so, oh, right. I was going to say, is that an Instagram thing? So, yeah. at the hair story, and I'll put that. I'll make yes. sure I put that link in the show notes. Okay. Oh, um, what, what about when you're traveling? Do you see anything in any particular countries? Do you see anything in any salons? Whether it's a way of doing business, or I don't know, any anything that you look at and go, "Wow, I've never seen that before." I have. I have. I find. I have to tell you, the first time I went to um, Saudi in the Middle East, okay. I was I was blown away by their the salons, how they they run their salons because you know they're they're kind of particularly through Ramadan, and I've been twice throughout when when Ramadan was on. They don't start work until two, three, or four in the afternoon, and mm-hmm. they work through to like the early hours of the morning. But not just that. The, they have like 25 backwashes. This is not a, just an unusual salon. This is a, th- these are normal, normal salons, 25 backwashes, 50 or 60 positions, four or five floors. Uh, j- just incredible. And I have to say, I mean, I know this isn't rele- probably not relevant, but I, what I found incredible about Saudi is that the women were so strong and so powerful. And it really was 
just awe inspiring the first time I met I met them because I was I probably had slight reservations about going, but I love going now. I just love going to the Middle East. They have a real amazing sense of work ethic as well. Mm. Okay, that's interesting. Okay, so Leslie, over your thirty-five years, I think I've just You're added adding on years year. on now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, thirty-four earlier, and I didn't, I didn't correct you, but thirty-five, I'm correcting you. <laughs> right. Okay. All right. Uh, so you're thirty-three years. Um, what are some of the hurdles that you've had to overcome? Like, how do you overcome adversity when things haven't worked out for you, at either a personal um, or professional level? Yeah, yeah. I think I think the biggest thing was uh, shyness. Uh, you know, I grew up in, incredibly, incredibly painfully shy, and had to had to quite quickly get over that. Yeah, because um, we haven't been able to shut you up for the last hour. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> I'm desperate to get a word in edgeways here. But yeah. Well, shyness. I mean, that I think that's come obviously with experience and age, but. Uh, you know, if I've had a bad day or I feel like I'm going to have a bad day, I, I used to get so het up and so take everything so seriously and everything was painful and awful. And now I just think, you know what, it's, this is one day. I'm going to wake up tomorrow. It'd be whatever's going on. It's one day. I'm quite, you know, I'm quite kind of easy going with it now. Again, probably the age on me that's, that's helped. Okay. So, but I, you I mean, know, you know me. I'm kind of somebody who, I don't know about rose tinted or bright pink glasses I wear. You know, the world is um, is good and precious and, and wonderful. I can remember you as that very shy 16 year old girl. Um, <laughs> and, uh, but there was also always a, a steely determination behind yeah. it. And so I would imagine that there are other people that hopefully are listening to this right now thinking that I really want to do what she's doing, but there's no way I could get there. Uh, and so what you're saying to them is, listen, it's a journey. Do not underestimate yeah. yourself. It's possible. Just Absolutely. put one on the other. And, Absolutely. And, and, and even after, there. you know, 30 odd years, even now when I go on stage, whether it be to five people or thousands of people, I'm still that not 16 but you know i'm still a little bit nervous but i think that nervousness is something that makes us you know we're still passionate about what we do i think if i wasn't nervous it'd be like well why am i doing this but you know once once you're on stage or once you're you're in front of your client and you know what you're doing it's just it's just such a joy it's such a joy doing you know whatever whatever head of hair i'm doing mm. Okay. Right. Well, look, we need to uh, wrap up. Where, where can people connect with you on uh, Instagram or other social channels? Um, on Instagram, it's just my name, at Leslie Jennison. On Facebook, it's at Leslie Jennison Hair. Okay, I will make sure I put both of those links in the Thank show notes you. on our website, growmysalonbusiness.com. If you're listening to this podcast with Leslie Jennison and you've enjoyed it, then please do me a favor, take a screenshot on your phone and share it to your Instagram stories. So to wrap up, Leslie, have you got any final words that you'd like to say to our audience? I, I have just had the most wonderful hour chatting chatting with you anthony i've absolutely loved it i want to do this again anyone that's listening i hope that you've enjoyed it as much as i have thank you 
Great. Well, Leslie, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show, and um, you're as you know bubbly and as enthusiastic as as ever, and a uh, um, you know generous contributor of of uh, your experience, your knowledge, your life. So it's been fantastic. Thank you very much, Leslie. Thank you, Dan. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, you'll find us at growmysalonbusiness.com or on Facebook and Instagram at growmysalonbusiness. And if you enjoyed tuning into our podcast, make sure that you subscribe, like, and share it with your friends. Until next time, this is Anthony Whitaker wishing you continued success.